Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Marian Nulifant here in Portland, Oregon. I'm Matt Stein from Working Concept in Seattle. And today we have on Simon Cox from Cox & Co. Creative. Simon, how you doing? Well, hello. I'm doing very well, thank you. Awesome. And we're here to talk about SEO for web developers, right? So SEO is something that no matter who you are, as a web developer, you have kind of run into this. And I'm I'm curious what your take on this uh, is, Simon. So if you were at mile 61 in the Frozen Head State Park in Tennessee running the, the Barkley Marathon and someone ran up to you and said, hey, what is SEO anyway? What would you tell them? First thing would be like, where am I? What am I doing here? Um, yeah, SEO is, to me, um, oh, there are... To me, there's several different versions of SEO. There's the technical SEO, which is where I'm embedded, which is making websites work better. Uh, and then there's the, the non-technical SEO, which is more about link building affiliates and stuff like that, which is, uh, to be honest, I'm not so much interested in that. And that's probably where some of the bad reputation comes from. Well, which is the one where we start sacrificing chickens and drawing pentagrams on the floor? And which is the the sphere that that happens in? That happens in the in the affiliate stuff and the link building, etc. Uh, and that's where you've got the agencies out there who are, let's say, not uh, selling snake oil. Hmm. Matt, you were going to say something. Uh, second one, definitely. <laughs> second one is where it happens. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? So, I mean, I have done speeches on SEO, wrote an SEO plugin and worked a, a ton with it. And I still have a very icky feeling when I talk about it or the industry, you know, and an analogy that I have made, and I think it's probably pretty reasonable is that it's kind of like the the diet industry. Right. In that it's not that there are not very good nutritionists out there, very good personal trainers, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that 90 percent of it is garbage in terms of like diet pills, you know, take this and you'll you'll instantly be slim and all that kind of stuff. And it feels like SEO is trying to appeal to the same thing. Everyone wants to be thin and pretty. Everyone wants to rank first in Google. Right. I mean, does that sound reasonable, Simon? Uh, yeah, it does. It's it's marketing at its its worst side. Um, I would say that really isn't so much SEO. SEO is one of the factors in that that people use, uh, and mm. they've used it for the last I don't know ten years as a, a get rich quick uh, option. It's like a gold rush because uh, the right. tools became available uh, and the search engines you could cheat them, uh, and that's what changed the last couple of years. Um, you can't so do that anymore. Not so easy. Um, so mm. there are. There are people still around doing it. There are still techniques to do it, um, apparently. I don't know them. <laughs> um, right. But I come across them occasionally. And, and it's it's disappearing and it's dying. The industry, SEO industry, is growing up. But on the technical side, I think that side of it's always been there. But right. that's actually growing and, and getting stronger and stronger because it, it's becoming a niche of its own. And I think it's becoming more and more important as everything gets more complex. Would it be overly bold to say that modern SEO is 
technical SEO? It's a big part of it, yes, but I wouldn't go as far as that. I would think technical SEO is becoming its own thing. Uh, mm. And the rest of it, which is, I, I don't hear the term SEM much these age, days, search engine, mar- search engine marketing. Um, people right. kind of roll that in with SEO and, and do the whole thing. It's like, But it's a totally different thing, though. It is, uh, but it's like yeah. 20 years ago, you, you talked about uh, digital. It was the web. Right. Digital marketing web. Who who calls themselves digital marketing these days? I mean, it's well. Listen, I know some teams at agencies that are still called like the digital team. <laughs> you know, well, maybe they do a lot of print production still, but I bet parts of that print production are very digital these days. It's yeah, you don't need the word digital anymore, um, right? And it's the same thing with SEO. It's going off into its niches and uh, and expanding that way. Well, here's the thing that I've run into. And then as a, if you're a web developer, whether you're at an agency or you're a freelancer or whatever, this has invariably happened that you are working for a company that has hired on an SEO consultant, right? And you'll get all sorts of just random, crazy requests to do things that, you know, I look at them through the lens of someone who has spent a whole lot of time learning about what matters and what doesn't matter in SEO. And I see some of these requests and they can't be anything other than either superstition or busy work, you know, things that the SEO company wants you to do just so that they can bill, you know, have you, have you run into that at all, Simon? I mean, I, I run into it all the time. Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, and the main reason that is, is because it's an industry which has not bedded itself down yet. And that's mainly mm. because of the biggest player in it, Google has not bedded itself down. It's just changing and it's changing more often now than ever before. So while right. two years ago we had uh, an algorithm change every six months and everybody got really worried about it, we're getting six a day now instead. And it's, it's, it is just constant change. Um, uh, in a way that- Okay, but oh, here's the thing though. Here's a question for you yeah. though. So if it is constant change, does it make sense that what we could do is focus on the fundamentals, like have good content, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's one of my tenets always go to keep it as simple as possible. You right. overcomplicate it, things are going to change. And there are the ways that there were ways of gaming the system, but tomorrow it might fall flat on its face. So five years ago, you may have got a couple of years out of it. So they're changing it on a constant basis to stop people trying to game the system. Um, right. So rather than building, to, to me, this is, so as I mentioned, there's two types of site. There's the sites where people go and build content because they've got a product or a message or something. So that's your company website. It's all your blog, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You're, you're building a, a website to deliver information to people. And then you've got other people who are building websites to sell advertising. And what they want mm. to do uh, is build a loads of pages to get people clicking through to them. So they get, them, get themselves high up in the rankings so that people click through and they get ad revenue from that. That's not good for anyone because that's not really giving anybody any information. It's not building a a brand or rapport with with the users. Um, Well, and there's a big irony layered on top of that too, which is that then either these companies or or other companies then employ click bots that go out and inflate the numbers. So you've created all of this stuff. You've not actually, as you mentioned, created anything, but you're making money. Yes. And so is Google. Right. Because they're selling advertising. Right. That's I'm, changing it's slowly, insane. but it is insane. It's changing slowly, though. Uh, and I think Google's right. been slow about it because it is big revenue for them. But they're, they're killing these things off slowly. But, uh, yeah, good content is the the basis of it. And delivering that content in a way that's that's well-structured, et cetera, uh, is good for people. 
Well, here, here's an example, and I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I, I've got a huge list of companies I've worked with that have had SEO agencies on to do this, that, or the other thing. And, you know, when I see they're billing, you know, two grand a month, and what the SEO company is doing is they're going in there and they're just tweaking keywords and descriptions. Like that's what they're doing, right? I look at that and it just, it blows my mind because as you said, they can increase something for today's algorithm, but maybe tomorrow it's going to be worse, right? Yeah. Whereas if they took that $2,000 and they invested it in creating better content or improving their website, improving the accessibility, you know, improving any number of other aspects of it, they'd be well ahead of the game, you know? Absolutely. And a good agency will go in uh, and talk about the bottom line uh, if it's a, a company that's driving revenue mm. uh, and they need to increase that bottom line it doesn't matter about getting number one rankings etc uh, you need more visitors but you don't want just more visitors you want ones that will go through and, uh, and complete a transaction etc right so you want the right visitors you've got to have the right content to bring somebody in who will go through that sales funnel mm -hmm. and buy that thing at the end you don't just want a shed load of visitors and notice your bounce rate goes through the roof because they they're going and finding the site brilliant they're just bouncing away and not doing anything yeah did you yeah. just say a shed load like a shed i did that's I like that. a small wooden box where you can get lots of stuff in <laughs> we I've we use a different term word. here <laughs> yeah it sounds similar but <laughs> yeah it's, it's more crude yeah <laughs> but okay so you know bringing it back to what you were talking about i mean i just I see it all the time where there are SEO firms that they are hired just to do things that really look like busy work to me, right? And it, it, it drives me nuts. It really drives me nuts because I think about that from the perspective of what kind of qualitative and really useful improvements could be made to the website if that budget were diverted elsewhere. You know, that's the part that drives me crazy. I, I totally agree with that. Um, at the same time, I see the opposite where people... Uh, businesses don't want to spend the money at all. Mm. They think SEO is going to cost 50 quid, mm. $50, uh, and then expect you know ranking number one from that and, and having tons of traffic. Well, that's uh, that's one of my rules, though. If I see a, a website uh, hawking SEO stuff or a product hawking SEO stuff, and it says anything about appearing like on the first page of Google or whatever, I instantly just ignore it because I know it's bullshit, you know? Yeah. That's just not how it works. And I get SEO um, emails through every day through certain contact forms for, for clients, and mm -hmm. they just get spammed to death. And I read this stuff, and it's just hilarious what people are promising. Right. Uh, and they're obviously doing it just to just to do this yeah, money for work. Uh, busy, what did, you call, what did you call it? Busy time? Busy work. Um, yeah, busy work. Um, yes, there's, there's plenty of tools out there now that you can run for free, mm. uh, and they'll just run that on a site, give it to the business person, say, here, well, look, we've, look, we found these issues. Um, but that's because the business world is doesn't really understand SEO. And that's right. partially that's us SEOs to, to go out and inform people and, and, and show them how. Well, some uh, people don't want them to understand. <laughs> you know that's what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they, they're like, no, let's keep this cash cow here, you know, because that's what – what you just described is exactly what a lot of these SEO firms do. And, and understand, like if you're from an SEO firm and you're listening to this and you do actual legitimate work, that's fine. I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about this large number of SEO firms that I've run into that what they do is they have a Moz account or they have a SEMrush account. They sign people up that pay them a bunch of money every month 
And all they do is use those tools to run a report. And then they take that report and they send it to the client (laughs) verbatim, usually. And then the client sends it to the developers and says, do this. And what's the point? What value are they adding? You know? Well, that's the business person to throw away money. And really, that business person should be saying, well, thank you for the report. But where are the action points in this? Yes. What are they and why? Yep. So having the report is just data. Uh, but actually then analyzing that and giving a set of action points and prioritizing them, most of these firms cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to educate the business. But they, can they can't, that. Simon. But here's the thing. The clients, they're scared because yeah, yeah. they want to rank. Like we, we should be, we should be doing what this SEO company says because we want to appear on the the front page of Google. You know, it's, I think I think that way of approaching the relationship is backwards. I think the SEO company needs to understand what the business goals are, and and the outcome, the reports, and the tweaking and everything can look very similar, but they need to be supporting business goals and not just rearranging, you know, the the deck furniture and collecting a check. I, I don't know. I think there's value in in keeping up with the business goals and trying to hit them and and work toward them, but not in just you know selling services and kicking some keywords around and. Oh, I, I, I mean, I a hundred percent agree. I'm reminded of the people who call me up out of the blue and say, "We noticed there's something wrong with your computer. Give us your credit card number and we'll fix it." Ah, uh, well, those are outright scammers, Mary. <laughs> Well, I know that. <laughs> oh, I see. That's the implication. But they don't. They yes. Oh. Well, there are. I mean, there's a there's a continuum between probably between the outright scammers and the sure shady operators and the people who don't do so much for you and the and the good guys. But right, it sounds like it runs all the way down to the outright scammers. And and here's the thing. And I know I know I got Matt from Vector Media Group. Now happy cog. <laughs> I know I got him angry because I, I said, you know, oh, you know, I, I was kind of maligning SEO companies. And there, there are definitely SEO companies that do legitimate work, but it would drive me crazy if I was one of those, like like Simon, like you. And a, a big chunk of people in my industry were giving my industry a bad name, you know? Oh, yeah. What Does that piss you off, Simon? Uh, not really. No. Um, Simply because I just don't take any notice of what goes on in those people. The industry that I know and the industry that I talk to on a daily basis on Twitter are like me. Uh, The people Mm. doing a really good job. Most of the clients I get are through word of mouth um, Mm. or not how they're advertising. And because they're coming to to me through word of mouth, I've already built that reputation up. And then when they they first talk to me, I start to rapport off with them. So so they understand how they're going to work with me, what they're going to get out of it, why it's going to cost them so much, why I'm so good, et cetera. And it's building that rapport up with the business that, that you need to do. And you need to really get underneath the skin and understand what they're doing and how they're trying to do it. Mm. Possibly even more so than if you're doing dev work. Well, this gets back to what you were saying before about a lot of times the businesses just don't know about SEO. And that's how a lot of these other firms are able to just latch onto them and get a paycheck for doing busy work, you yep. know, which is unfortunate. But I don't, I don't want to spend the whole podcast griping about the, the industry and all that kind of stuff. But I, I do think that this is a, it's an important thing to talk about because from a developer perspective, I think a lot of us are, we're pretty skeptical, you know, about some of the things that we're asked to do. And we've, we've run into this quite a bit. You know, where they'll be like, okay, you know, go do this. And so perfect example, someone was was talking about they wanted 
uh, an entry to appear both at the the homepage and then also at slash home, right? They wanted the same thing to appear there. And I was just like, well, well, why? You know, you're going to run into duplicate content issues. Like you don't really, uh, you don't want to do that, right? I mean, yeah, you can use rail canonical and, and all that stuff, but why? Why did your SEO company ask you to do this? Seems strange. And he came back and said, oh, well, they're, they're asking me to do this because they want to do an A-B test, right? And that's another pet peeve of mine, because if you're actually going to do an A-B test, you don't want to have a different URL, one for the A and a different for the B. Like, you don't want that because Google is going to index that stuff. Like, it's, that's not how you should be doing it. But it's another pet peeve of mine, because a lot of people are doing A-B tests as a shortcut to actually doing research and designing something. You know, proper A-B testing requires coming up with a good hypothesis and that good hypothesis requires research. You you can't just like A-B test a button here and a button there and have the crowd decide which it should be. And the reason is there are a lot of other factors that go into it and you're not coming at it with an actual hypothesis that means any, you know, um, but it just, this is the kind of thing that, that just drives me nuts. And <laughs> you don't run into this, Simon? There's an opportunity here for uh, devs to, uh, when they interact with SEOs or companies, to start vetting them. Uh, and before, mm. you know, if you've got a relationship with the business or your, yep. your internal team, make sure you're vetting who that SEO is and not what they're suggesting is uh, is right, but also vet right. them before they get to that stage. Yes. And when you're in that position, when you have the the ear and the trust of people that make the decisions, then that's great, you know, because you actually have the opportunity to do that. But I've also seen it a number of cases where an agency or a freelancer, I mean, they're just a hired gun. And in fact, the the chain is not where you get to help the business make the decisions. It's more uh, that the stuff you're supposed to do is coming from the SEO people. You know what I mean? Like you're at the bottom rung <laughs> and the company's like, okay, our SEO company said do this. And you're like, okay, you know, yes. you're wasting your money, but I'll do that's, it. that's bad management though isn't it because yeah. uh, if you're not letting your the seo team talk to the dev team you're in a yeah. big sticky situation anyway yep no i agree and i if, agree if you're also not listening to somebody that says uh this doesn't seem to make sense then what are you doing anyway i don't know that's bad management <laughs> and it, it may seem crazy because it, exactly what both of you are saying like if you're going to hire me for my technical expertise why would you not listen to me but I see this a lot. <laughs> like I really do. And I, I try to avoid those situations where if it appears that the the client is not going to take my advice on certain things, I'm just like, okay, you know, maybe we shouldn't work together. You know? Oh, I like it when the client doesn't take my advice. I just don't like it when they disregard whatever I'm saying. Like if we engage and it turns right. out I'm wrong, I'm happy with that situation. I mean, I'd rather be right because that's much more satisfying. But sure. uh, if, if we're engaging, to me, that's good. And that's healthy because that's what it should be. I think bad SEO is usually just the result of bad management and not thinking through things and yeah. I don't know, just gaps and knowledge and other things that have nothing to do with SEO. But right. Because the power hierarchy is wrong, right? Yeah. If if the if the developer is essentially just a short order cook for the SEO firm, then the hierarchy is wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it just isn't how things should be working. What, what do you think about that, Simon? I totally agree with that. The SEO teams should be really working hand in hand with the developer teams uh, because right. we need to understand resource 
issues. Now, and I, when I go and audit a site, I'm looking at things and saying, well, why wasn't this done that way? And why wasn't that done? Mm. It's quite often there's reasons behind it because there's a CMS that can't do something and they haven't got right. the resource to change it or et cetera, et cetera. So you really do need to understand what the resource constraints are for the developers. You can't do that unless you go and talk to them. So right. yeah, that's, that's a pretty, yeah, it's going to, if I went in as an SEO and said, you got, you need to do this, this and this without asking them why it's done that way, I'm going to upset mm. the developers and they're not going to like it. And that's the last thing I need. But you're right. Agencies will go in and say, and yeah, they're, the business is paying them and they'll just bang a report out and say, this is what you need to do. Right. Simon, it sounds like your your encounter with clients is usually it's not their first time talking about or thinking about SEO, but obviously they've had some exposure or something that led them to you. What what does an uh, what's an ideal project or kind of a normal setup process look like for you? Well, that's a <laughs> yes. I get to say it at last. It depends. Um, my answer to everything in SEO is it depends, and it really does. Uh, a lot of the clients that come to me actually are first timers, especially small local okay. business stuff we do. Um, but then I have other people I, I work with quite a few devs that come and get me. They understand it. They just want me to put my bits and pieces on that. So the workflow depends uh, really on what's going on. So in uh, Cox and Co-Creative, we actually build websites as well, but they're small things, hand-built. I build them, which is why I'm quite good at technical SEO because I can actually develop as well. I mm. think that's very, very important. Um, so that workflow depends completely on what the situation is. And other times I, I'm literally going and just do consultancy work and just looking at stuff and, and making suggestions. Well, I want to, if we can, talk about something that I've seen or talk about misconceptions that I think developers have about a few things. Um, so one of them is a sitemap, right? So any SEO tool that's worth anything probably lets you generate a sitemap. And there seems to be this kind of I don't know, this kind of panic, right? That if you have like, okay, so let's say we've got a site and it's been up for a year. And for some reason, the, the site map is, is down. It's just gone. It's not working. A lot of developers or a lot of people that I've run into think that, oh my God, this means that the site, those pages don't exist anymore, right? Is that how it works, Simon? No, <laughs> not at all. You don't need a site map. Uh, Google will find all the pages, right. um, but... Putting a site map and an update, up to date one in there will help Google find those pages quicker because it just go mm -hmm. there and find them. And if you change something, it'll go, oh, something's changed. I'll go and crawl those new pages or those updated pages. So it's really an aid to help them, but you don't actually need it. What if you've got a, a wrong one in there, a, a wrong um, site map? And I had one today actually. Somebody rang me up and uh, wanted me to look at a client of hers and they'd shifted brand completely, brand new domain name, their site map is all the old domain. So, mm. well, okay, that is an issue. It really ought to change over, but it's not going to do them much harm apart from they've got two sites which are live with the same stuff. Mm. Um, so not well, that's going to be more of a problem than anything exactly, else, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. just one of the things they need to sweep up. So yes, it, and it depends. That may be the only thing that's wrong with the site, in which case, yeah, that's the priority thing to do. Uh, you might as well right. clean it up. So there's no reason, uh, there's no reasonable way of having, at least to have uh, a, a bad uh, XML sitemap. Um, so yes, you should do it, but it's not absolutely critical to do that. But that's like a lot of things in SEO. Not everything is critical. Yeah. It depends on everything, but there's just some best ways of doing things and not others, depending on the situation. Well, I've seen I've seen people freaking out and thinking the sky is falling and everything and it doesn't exist anymore. And just understand that what is in the sitemap is really kind of a guide to help Google index your pages, right? 
But Google can find your pages from any number of ways, right? The sitemap is just one of many, many ways that it's going to find your site and it's going to crawl it, right? So you, as you were saying, Simon, you could put a site up there. You could have no sitemap whatsoever. And eventually Google's going to find it and they're going to index it, right? Yep. I mean, you almost can't escape it. (laughs) It's kind of creepy. Um, It goes further than that as well, because uh, any link to your site, it'll remember it for years. Years right. and years. I've I still get uh, traffic through to my personal personal site when it was on movable type back in two thousand and two. It's still, oh my still God. Get, there's somewhere out there. There's a link to that site. Yeah. Um, yep. And I so you know I have a rather good plugin from someone uh, not too far away from mm. this uh, conversation that I've just got in there and I've just chucked it off to uh, somewhere reasonable within the site. Um, but yeah, they're not going to forget. Um, they're not going to forget the URLs very easily. So you want to make sure they're right. Yeah. So sitemaps are really useful for, as you mentioned, getting Google to recrawl when content changes, right? I almost, I mean, it's, it certainly is good for discovery. And, you know, what I recommend to people is just, you know, if you got a new site, upload the sitemap and just let Google go to town and index it, you know, you'll be good to go. But it's really, the sitemaps are really useful when content changes on a regular basis. You know, maybe you got a blog that new entries come in with some kind of regularity. It can be a nice way to kind of tap Googlebot on the shoulder and say, hey, buddy, you know, come over here, right? And the Googlebot has a crawl budget anytime it visits your page. And that is the amount of time that it's going to spend trying to index your pages. And that's it's a complete black box in terms of how Google allocates that, but it's based on your authority and importance and all that kind of stuff. But the long and the short of it is that the sitemap can tell Google or, or can give it hints, I should say, in terms of how it should spend its time indexing your stuff, right? So I know some of the people at Moz were experimenting with, they don't have all of their blog pages listed in their sitemap at all. They just have like the most recent 10, right? So that when the sitemap is looked at, Googlebot has just got 10 things on its list to do because the stuff, the content that's been around there for a long time, it's already indexed, right? It's already there, you know? So they're trying to use the sitemap as a way to to get Google to pay more attention to the new stuff that may or may not be indexed. Does that sound like a reasonable summary or anything? You done any experiments like that at all, Simon? Yes, Uh that's a very reasonable way of saying it. I, I should go take that a little bit further. Uh, mm. Robots text. You're probably going to come on to that next, won't you? Yeah. Uh, robots text is really interesting because, like Canonicals, it is a suggestion to Google what to do. Right. So, uh, it's a big tip from maybe developers here: when you're developing a site on a dev environment, not production environment, and it's live, so the customers can see it. Uh, don't use robots text to hide it because you can put a disallow in there to stop it being indexed. But that doesn't mean that Google won't index the pages on that site if there That's is right. a link into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll still do it. So you should really password protect it. And the amount of people that don't do the password protection is unbelievable. And the other downside of that is, as well is that people will then push the site live and it's, the robots text has still got the disallow on there, uh, which means... So it's still getting picked up unless there's links into those pages. Right, right. That's a, that's yeah. a very common mistake. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's something that SEOmatic tries to help you out with. Yeah. So it has a concept of environments, and it's going to make sure that if it's a staging environment or a local dev environment, that not only is the robots.txt telling it not to index this stuff, but also every on every page, it's going to have a meta robots tag that says no index. Right. But you're right. I see that a lot in terms of switching environments where people will screw up 
And it's actually harder to get Google to forget stuff sometimes than it is to get it to index it the first time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, n- I never mess up. Um, but if I did in the past, I've learned from that uh, by creating a, I, I always have robots.txt be a craft template that just sniffs out the environment. So I don't have to forget and then um, try desperately to unindex <laughs> um, yeah. dev URLs. Yeah. And that's something that, again, you know, SEOmatic does for you. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we'll get into that <laughs> later, Matt. <laughs> Matt, you and I are going to have, we're going to have a chat about that. Um, but I, I think you you raised a really, really important point, Simon, is that everything, if you ever talk about something that you're doing for Google, you're not telling Google anything, you're giving it a suggestion, right? Even things, okay, so with your sitemap, you're suggesting to Googlebot, please Googlebot, if you would be so kind, can you pay attention to these things and index them, Right. Whether Google bot is going to listen to you or not, you know, it's up to them. So it's really a suggestion. And there are even some other things that I think are kind of crazy. So a lot of people think that the SEO, t- uh, so the title tag and the description tag is exactly what Google is going to use on the search engine result page for your page, right? True or false, Simon? Um, depends. Uh, it's false. <laughs> uh and I've got actually a really, really good example of this uh, that picked up this week. Now, um, my wife and I do the website for the small local florist in our village, mm-hmm. which is lovely. That means my wife gets – she's up there all the time spending all the money that the florist spends with us, and she goes back and sp- spends it on flowers. But Yeah, that's um, not working. No, it's not right. working at all. But, um, <laughs> We've uh, we've done certain things with the site, uh, and you know, obviously we've got the, the meta description in there. And I noticed this week that we've added an extra because this Sunday is Mother's Day, so Mother's Day flowers are a big thing. It's the biggest part of the year for them. So uh, we put some extra opening hours on the home page, and Google's mm. picked, uh, stopped using the, the meta description and actually used that bit of text from the home page right at the top yeah. of the home page uh, yeah. as a description because it's coming up to mother's day and you've got to sit back and applaud google for doing that because it's exactly what people want to see so yes it will choose whatever's relevant but what people get the knickers in a twist about is that i've put that description it should be using that but it is actually dependent upon the intent of the person doing the search you mm-hmm. pages it might be about a certain subject etc but you will have keywords in there which may bring traffic in looking for something else and google's trying to work out what the person doing the search is asking for right delivering up what it thinks is going to be the best thing so whilst we do all this stuff with descriptions and everything and description is different because to me that's a marketing tool for in the serps to to get people to go through um it will choose whatever's best for whatever search has been done Mm -hmm. that was it Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that's been my favorite part about SEO that's been true since, since you know, keyword stuffing and the, the darker, easy garbage a long time ago is the, the emphasis is always just on, you know, are you doing the right thing with your content? Are you trying to communicate the right message? Are you doing it in mm-hmm. a way that's efficient for people with crappy internet and, you know, different devices? It's, it's always, it's hard is in the right place. And the minute you're making decisions specifically for SEO is when you're stepping out onto, you know, maybe dicey territory. Well, that's what I find absolutely hilarious is that there are companies that they will hire SEO consultants that will spend an inordinate amount of time. Uh, well, first of all, back in the day, it was keyword stuffing, 
right? Which these days, Google completely ignores your keywords field. Okay, just ignores it. So if you're working with an SEO consultant that is asking you about optimizing the, your uh, your keywords in the meta keywords field, run, okay? <laughs> because it does absolutely nothing for for Google, which is one of the biggest search engines out there. And in fact, it can be a negative. Yeah, it because could actually if be it, harm to use meta keywords, correct? If Well, if it looks like you're doing it in a spammy way, Google can use that as one of the factors that it will figure out that, hey, this is a, a spam site, right? But then you'll also have SEO companies that are spending an inordinate amount of time trying to handcraft, you know, just the perfect title tag for the page or the perfect description for the page. And yes, it's true that when that description is used on the SERP, that is a marketing thing that can be used to help induce clicks and that type of thing. But Google isn't necessarily going to pick it. Right? If it thinks you did a bad job or it thinks that your description is not relevant or it thinks your title is not relevant, it's just not going to use it. And it's relevant for that search. Right. You know, it's and that's why Google makes all the money. Right. People go to Google and they want it to find what they're searching for. Right. And be, the, that's how Google makes their money is by figuring out what is this person looking for and how should we rank something? And that's why I really think that there is some folly in constantly trying to game the system in one way or in the other. Now, granted, you can't game the system now the way you used to be able to game the system. But there still are certain things that SEO companies are trying to do that, to me, amount to gaming the system. Whereas as Matt was saying, really, you'd be better off just having good content, you know, or other universal things that no matter how the algorithm is tweaked here or there, you're going to be doing well. And it will end up being that your content is something that people actually do want to find, right? And, and a lot of that is partly brand building. So mm -hmm. whatever company you've got, even if it's a mum and pop store, it's an international company, brand should be part of that. And you you want to build that brand up. And that's not having thousands of thin pages with no content in, but but you're right. using those gateway pages to, to get the traffic in. That's not brand building. That's that's not a long proposition as far as a business goes. Right. It's quite different. Or like mini, mini sites, right, that all point to another site that used to be a thing? Yeah, that's all down to... Um, vanity of marketers mm -hmm. uh, who've got right. a budget and they just want to go and build something and say, look what I've built. Uh, yeah, they are disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I love. I love that the better Google gets at its job, the more these SEO firms that are doing dodgy or useless things just die, right? <laughs> because it just doesn't work anymore, you know? Yeah, they're going back to IRS scams, aren't they? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know where they're going. They're going somewhere. But this all stemmed from us talking about the the sitemap. So have a good sitemap. It's fine. It's great. But but don't freak out. <laughs> you know, it's if your sitemap is uh, unavailable or or you just don't have one or whatever. It's not like Google. It's not like you don't exist. Okay, the sitemap is not a. It's not the actual representation of your site on the internet. Google has all that. It's got all that already. Right. So don't. Don't freak out and don't get too overhyped about the, the sitemap. Now, if you do have high traffic site where content changes pretty often, and then, yeah, I mean, it's great to have a good sitemap that will point Google in the right direction when it comes to spending its crawl budget on your site. Because really, the new content 
is the stuff that you want it to you want it to focus its time on, right? There's also things you can do as a developer to help that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you want to make sure your site's running quickly, uh, and there aren't loads of broken links, uh, and mm-hmm. the site isn't a thousand pages deep. Right. The deeper the bits of sites are, the longer it's going to take for the crawlers to get down to those. The shallower the site is, it's more likely they'll they'll find everything. So when you're planning out your uh, structure, your architecture for the site, um, and and how you get around the site as well, do some very mm-hmm. obvious things. Don't use JavaScript for navigation. Just use links. That's mm-hmm. what they're for. They're very, right. very good. And this would probably be a good time to mention as well that if you're using one of those fancy new JavaScript frameworks that we all love, you really might want to consider pre-rendering or server-side rendering these things. And the reason is that Googlebot, when it encounters pages, it will try to index them immediately. But if there's JavaScript that needs to be executed to render that page, those get pushed into a different pile that get deferred and indexed later. How much later? They can't tell you. And just from a reliability point of view and from a speed point of view, I mean, I just really think that it makes sense to be from an SEO perspective and also from a performance perspective. It makes sense to uh, server side pre-render this stuff. Um, yeah, Try and help that search engine crawl through your site as quickly as possible. And it renders in a mobile version of, of, the, of, of Chrome these days. So uh, mm-hmm. that is very important as well when you, you develop your site. Make sure that it is crawlable within mobile Yeah, and everyone who is listening to this podcast, I want you to go ahead and go to About Chrome and take a look at the version of Chrome that you're running right now. So for instance, I'm running Chrome 73, right? Googlebot runs Chrome 41, (laughs) okay? That's what you're dealing with in terms of the, the rendering engine and its ability to parse JavaScript and all that stuff. But what I love about what you're saying, Simon, is that the better you make the site for humans the better you make it for Google to index yep. it, which makes complete sense, right? Yep. Because if Google is trying to return what it thinks the person wants, yeah, obviously the site would have to be good for people, right? You know, so make it fast, make it accessible. The more accessible your page is, the easier time not only people will have crawling it or sorry, parsing it and looking through it, and people with, uh, you know, ex- uh, with uh, handicaps or disabilities or, or whatever, they'll have an easier time checking out your site. But on top of that, that also makes it easier for Google to crawl it, right? Exactly. Uh, one of the things I've been saying for years about SEO uh, and accessibility is that the biggest use, uh, user of your of visitors to your websites is blind. It's good. Mm, 100%. Say that again, because that was so good. Say it again. The biggest visitor to your site is blind, and it's Google. That's actually not true mm-hmm. anymore because they do render pages, but that's what I've been saying that for years, and it really makes people think you do want to have right. an accessible site. And I see a lot of businesses, in, especially in the past, going, well, we don't need an ex- we don't want to spend the extra money for an accessible site unless we, we need to do it for compliance reasons. And it's like, oh, I'm not going to – yeah, and then developers as well, it's like – making a site accessible is a big step forward and it's like well that's going to cost a lot more and business mm. pull back from that but for me as an seo i'm going please make your site accessible because it just makes it better for seo and you don't have to spend tons on seo to get it right you've already made the site 
crawlable and usable by humans in whatever position, whether they're disabled or temporarily disabled. You know, if they've, I don't know, whatever reasons, if people aren't blind when they're looking at the site, they might, it might, the lights might be dim. Mm. You're not blind. Yeah. You've just got low light in your room. It's, you know, it's just like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. And, and I love the fact that the best practices of performance of writing compliant HTML, of writing accessible stuff. I love how this all ties together and it ends up making your site better for SEO as well. And this is why I'm tempted to say that modern SEO is technical SEO because you you get all those things right. Yes. And assuming you got decent content, I mean, man, you're going to do good, right? So, but there's on-page and off-page SEO, and it's the on-page stuff that you would potentially mm-hmm. say is technical, but not really because the content part, the words and the images, really aren't technical SEO. They're on-page, but I wouldn't mm. say they were technical. I'd say creative sure. writing. So, yeah, but that's just nuances on, on words, semantics. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I shouldn't say that that is everything. So technical SEO, I, I guess I would I would add to that, that you also want to have a good content strategy that creates good content that's well-organized. Yeah, right? absolutely. What I tell clients, I would, for some clients, I monitor site health and I just consider SEO to be a part of that. And what we monitor is an SEO performance as much as health, like just making sure that pages have content that's well-indexed and, and mm-hmm. that appeases the Google when it decides to show up. And what I tell people <laughs> is that the sites that I build are 80%, um, doing 80% of the way to getting it to you know a, a great place for SEO if we hit that other 20%, which is you have a product that's named similar to, similarly to something that it competes with, or you're thinking about changing domains four times, or you have 12 different sites and you're doing something very specific, that's what I just think of as a 20% where we'll refer to a specialist that it's not on-page stuff necessarily, but strategy that, that could impact the bottom line a lot that you don't want me giving you answers for. Like it's highly specialized stuff that I'll refer people to. But I, I think SEO is basically just a component of site health as much as speed or, um, I don't know, legibility or a bunch right. of other different things that needs to be maintained and, and managed and gauged and kept up, but isn't, uh, I don't know, uh, non-technical or, or usually more complicated than that. Uh, I agree with that as well. It's a quality issue. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Making sure your site retains that quality from when it was last redesigned and relaunched. If you've got a site that's being updated on a regular basis by somebody using a content management system, it's likely that there are little things going to uh, creep in that's going to lower that quality. Maybe they've written this, uh, an article which isn't particularly brilliant. It's just you know, 400 words instead of I don't know, 800 or maybe 200 words instead of 500 or something like that. Right. Um, so thin content, you can identify those things by doing a, a regular audit, depending on how big the site is and how often it changes. You want to have a, a regular audit, either yearly, quarterly, weekly, even for, for, for some, just to make sure that quality is kept up from an SEO point of view. But also that's slots straight into a marketing point of view as well. Why would you want to have out-of-date content on your site? You've got to have a strategy for that as well. So somebody needs to be going through that cycle, making sure that the site's up to scratch and it's up to date. Yeah. And performance is twofold, right? So one thing is that Google will rank your site higher if it loads quicker because people want a site that loads quick, right? Again, it's trying to return not just you know, the search result, but a thing that people want. And Google has decided people want something quick, which I think is very true, especially on mobile. But then performance also matters from the point of view of if Googlebot has a budget, which is based in time, the faster your pages load, 
the more of them it's going to be able to index, right? So this is where you want to have a site that performs well and hits all of these. Uh, and, and as you were saying, you want it to be accessible so that Google is the Google bot is able to crawl it and understand it. You want it to be using uh, semantic HTML so that Google can have a better sense of exactly where things are on the page, which, oh, by the way, happens to be really good from an accessibility point of view. And all of these things run together to where it's kind of like do a good job. Right, and you're probably halfway home, right? Yeah, uh, uh, with content as well. Something yeah. which, uh, I I I'm really keen on is that semantic markup for that content needs to be right there. So you've got a H1 title for the for the the page saying what the page is, and then mm-hmm. the rest of the content needs to be split up into proper headings with the right. proper structure of H2s and H3s and uh, possibly H4s if you need them as well. But and and proper lists, et cetera. That semantic structure, that content, uh, it's incredibly important to Google. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why Google rank higher if it's done like that. If you've got headings which are images, uh, as a, an extreme example, it's not going to see them as headings. So it won't understand the context of how that content fits together. And you're un- right. not likely to do so well uh, answering a question that's asked. Yeah, and all of these things that we're doing we're doing to try to help Googlebot understand things better. So the semantic HTML, the writing things that are correct. I mean, this is all helping Googlebot digest it better. Also useful to people with accessibility uh, issues in terms of accessing our site. But really, I mean, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help Googlebot understand the page, which leads me to structured data, right? So Google, it's still, I mean, it's pretty good about understanding things, but one of the things that machines are bad about and people are good about is understanding context. And that's where structured data comes in, right, Simon? Yeah, very much. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a hot subject at the moment, and I think structured data is more uh, important than it's ever been before. I've started mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of years, started using it and seen some very good results from it. Yep. It can be quite tricky to understand how how to put it together. And there aren't many tools out there that uh, that help, to be honest. Uh, and the moment they've, Google Search Console has just brought in the ability in the new one to uh, check your structured data. And there is mm-hmm. a Google structured data tool as well, but they don't match. So you can put the same code in page in both and it will give you different answers to it. Meanwhile, Screaming Frog, a rather neat crawler for SEO people, has in the last couple of weeks added a, a function to it where you can also uh, verify your structured data while you're crawling the site as well, which is incredibly handy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I've, over the last couple of years, I've spent hours trying to get structured data right. Um, it's tricky. I'm not a JavaScript writer, so it may come easier to JavaScript people, but when it works, it works really, really well. And uh, back to my florist example, very good uh, example on that. My florist does workshops and we've set them up as events on the page. So when we go into the content management system at the back end of that, we add the dates and et cetera, and I get it to write out all that to uh, JSON-LD uh, scripts within the page and google is now showing the next three workshops in the SERP rankings and that does so much better than her competitors uh, in the right career. it looks great yeah well and, and this is something that i have been an advocate for structured data for a long time so structured data has been around in one form or another for a long time and i think it makes sense for us to kind of back up and explain what it is so if we just gave google a page to look at it can do its best to kind of try to figure out what's going on there and what the relationship between things are and and that type of thing, but it, it may not always get it right. 
right? So structured data is kind of a way that we can tell it, hey, this is what this thing is, right? And back in the day, you used something called microdata that you actually put in line in your HTML where you do something like div item scope item type equals, right? Or And then you'd have like spam item, sorry, not spam, <laughs> span. Not a nice thing, Andrew. I, yeah, I know, right? Span <laughs> item prop equals, you know, video format or whatever, whatever it happens to be. Right. And this was kind of terrible because you had to intertwine it with the actual HTML code. And then what you're talking about, Simon, is JSON LD, which is in, in a way what caused me to write SEOmatic to begin with is I wanted that kind of support in there. And that's something that it, you, I know you're using it, Simon. It should help you out because it has every single schema.org is an actual model um, that you can just create uh, in there and you can kind of do whatever you want with. But the thing that I think I've seen a lot of people get hung up on is they try to do, well, okay, so either people do absolutely nothing with structured data or they try to do too much, right? And when I say try to do too much, I mean, someone will come to me and they'll say, you know, hey, I'm trying to implement this particular like medical institution structured data. And I would say to them, why? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And the reason I say that is that Google only consumes a very limited subset of the schema.org vocabulary. And we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to the things that it can actually look at. But there's just certain things where, I don't know, like, why waste your time putting it on there if nothing's going to be consuming it? Do you think, you think I've got it wrong and we should put everything on there and just wait for it to eventually consume it, Simon? Um, two minds about that. Uh I think whatever Google says we should do, uh, a lot of people do say, well, they're saying do this, but a year later and still nothing's happened. But eventually right. everything that Google's said has come to pass. So uh, yep. I tend to follow what they do and implement it. And maybe several years later, that stuff matters. With right. a schema uh, and JSON-LD, I kind of do put stuff in which Google can't yet or doesn't take any notice of at the moment the downside mm -hmm. of that is they are still changing it quite a bit so uh yeah you might have to go back and revisit it but i think if you've got content there i don't think there's anything wrong with adding structured data in which isn't used at the moment it may be used later so it, it, right. if you're doing it programmatically uh, within the cms it, it, you might as well do it because it's probably not going to take you very long to put it together as long as it doesn't take you very long hey. i agree i agree but i think that uh what you should probably focus on at your core is hitting some of the really, really nice things that you can implement in there. Like if you have products, of course, you should put in there. If you have reviews and breadcrumbs and corporate contact numbers and all that kind of lovely stuff, definitely you should be paying attention to structured data because this is your way to help Google get it right. So when it visits your page and it tries to index and digest it and understand it, instead of it guessing, you can give it hints to help it get it correct in terms of the classification. And then there are also certain things where if the right JSON-LD is there, in the search engine results page, you'll get some really nice, they used to call them rich snippets. I don't even know what they're calling them now. Do you know, Simon, they change it? It, it like changes it. so much. I, I just, everything's featured snippets now, I think. That's what I... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were they were yeah, rich right. pins and rich snippets, and they, they change the name all the time. But search basically, down. the stuff that's displayed on the search engine results page. If you have, for instance, recipe JSON-LD, you can end up with some really, really nice search engine results with like, you know, the, the recipe and the ingredients list for your apple pie listed in there and all that kind of cool stuff. So from that perspective, 
I think structured data is something that everyone should be paying attention to because you get some amazing gains out of it, right? There is a down, slight downside to it as well. If um, if you're competing around or you're getting traffic in for certain search phrases and there is no featured snippet, and then you go and put structured data in and it causes a featured snippet to be put in there, your hmm. uh, organic, hopefully your number one organic, that drops down the page and Sure. People may not click through. So there is a, a situation where if you're, say, eight or nine down the page and you're finding it difficult to, or the ones above you have got far better content, et cetera, you might just want to concentrate on that featured snippet and get yourself up to the top of the page. Uh, but there's no guarantee that people will click through anyway. So it's it's a hard line to 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 swear. I'd say do it anyway. Yes, you might might right. lose some uh, a little bit of traffic but i think there are some big sites that do get worried about that but i think just going to anyway. what, why does that cause you to to drop inherently is there a reason or do we just have to accept that that's because these feature snippets people don't tend to click through on them as much because you're oh, you're see. getting the information you want there so it could be there, there are ways around this so um uh, for example if you want to know how to staple paper they're what the perfect angles if you go and uh, search the perfect angle to staple paper uh, you may find that i actually own that featured snippet or did last time i looked and <laughs> and, and i okay. it's one of my experiments um he's not even he's not even kidding he actually owns that that's yeah. incredible i never uh, even yeah, thought about really it it's brilliant. um but but one of the, the one of the things to do in there is that Google will show four or five items in a list on how to do something. So you make sure your list on the page has got more, so six, seven, or eight points, because mm. then in the feature snippet, it'll have the first four or five, and then it'll have a more button underneath, which will then take that user through to your website, which is what you want. If you've only got, say, uh, I don't know, sort something out on your on your, on your your Outlook mail or something, and it's got do this, do this, do this, and do this, but there's nothing more, then people don't need to go through to your website. Right. Does that make sense, Matt? Mm -hmm. And the other item so as well is the image that goes with that feature snippet might not come from your website. So you need to make sure you've got an image and it's got the proper captions and alt text in there as right. well. Right. Yeah. You want to yeah. fill out all you of that all. stuff. So, Marion, you've been listening to us yammer on about SEO for a little bit. Do you have any, any thoughts on this? I'm trying to figure out what they are. My questions, I guess, are about sites that get very little traffic. Not that anybody would necessarily want to bother, but if you have one of those sites that gets tens of hits a month, what are what are the how do the SEO best practices vary? I suppose it's pretty much the same. You want to have decent content and and uh, reasonable, um, you know, reasonably fast loading and so on. Well, if it's a super low traffic site, you're probably not going to be hiring an SEO consultant to do no. anything with it, right? <laughs> You're right. probably not so even just, paying for SEOmatic, truth be told. Right. So just make a site that's well made, you know, and make it accessible, make it fast, make sure it has all the, the technical things implemented. And, you know, I mean, that's good enough. Decent content that changes once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But if it's a if it's a very narrow interest, I don't know. I mean, Simon, do you have any any thoughts on this? Um, not really. I, I do get approached by a lot of people, small businesses, especially who, um, are in exactly that position. They can't afford a lot. Um, but yeah, so good content will bring traffic. Um, and the question right. is, where do you put your money? So if you've got a, a, a shoe repair shop up the road, it might be better rather than building a website for several thousand pounds to actually put some signage up or, or advertise in the local right. newspaper, et cetera. You, you've got to work out what the best strategy is. 
and and where your morality lies because you can just you know start writing headlines like uh you know staple paper better with this one cool trick and uh you know and maybe generate more interest but at the expense of I, I, i'll be honest with you matt like simon has kind of waved the red flag in front of the bull like i want to beat him i think now. i think you should i think <laughs> like, you should call people up cold call people and and say that you know that they are stapling their paper wrong and that's right. and if they will give you your your um, credit card number, you will be able to fix that for them because otherwise terrible things will happen. That's right. I, I mean, I've already got like the top five headlines picked out that I'm going to use to try and unseat you, Simon. Well, best of luck. Um, <laughs> I, it's going to take you a while because that story I actually wrote in 2004, I think. Mm. It's been around for a long time, so Google knows about it. And it was all on Metafilter as well right. back, back in 2004. So it's got a lot of backlinks to it. Uh, well, step, step one in our siege... Yeah, is to do a, a continuous uh, denial of service attack on your site. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's on Cloudflare's site, so you're not going. That's not going to work. All right. Step one is to <laughs> hack into your site. Step one, bring it down. Good, better content. Look at my content. Read it. Write it better. Don't just spin it. Write better content. And step two is to add a video of stapling because I haven't done that yet and somebody else mm. has right? yeah, a video thing and I need to sort that out. <laughs> That's right. I can get the video snippet. Yeah. Oh, you'd be in big trouble. You'd be <laughs> in big trouble. Well, I, I, and this has been really interesting and I hope this has been a useful talk to people that are web developers, uh, kind of a, a little insight into the the SEO world. Do you have anything that you would want to want to add to this, Simon? Uh, really just love your technical SEO person because they really are on your side and there's some really good technical SEOs around and they've got a foot in yeah. both camps, both in SEO and technical. Um, I know quite a few who do go out and they do build websites. So like me, they understand what's going on and that really helps when it comes to the bigger sites, et cetera, and, and what they're doing. There is a lot of shysters out there. So uh, it's a case of you start talking to an SEO, you will understand if they're talking your language, you'll understand that they know what you're talking about. So that's the people to choose. That's the people to work with. Yeah. And this is getting back to what we're talking about in the beginning, but I've, I've had times where, you know, I've worked on sites with with uh, Jonathan Melville quite a bit. And he's told me about how you know, this client has got this uh, SEO company involved. And I'm like, I, I feel that you have a moral responsibility to talk to your client and to say, look, you're wasting your money on the stuff that they're asking you to do. Do you do you think that you, would you feel that you have that responsibility, Simon? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things key for me when I go and do an audit of a site is I need, I need to put everything into priority. And I need to right. talk to the developers and the business to understand what they think their priority should be as well. Yeah, if they've got an endless coffer uh, of money, then great, I'll put it in the priority that I think they should do it in. But I really do need to understand the business. Um, right. There's going to be things you need to fix this immediately. Uh, and then long-term things like it would be better if you added some more text onto this page because it's a bit thin or something like that. But how do you argue that then, right? So let, let's say that you're in a position where uh, a good-sized company has hired you to build their site for them, but they have a long-term SEO company that they're partners for. And that long-term SEO company is, get, let, let's say they're getting high four figures every month from this business. Right. And you, as someone who are skilled in this area, look at what this company is doing and you realize that your your client is getting ripped off. Right. Yeah. How do you broach that conversation? I'd be straight in there and say, are you covering that cost? What's your return on the, on the cost of this 
uh, what they're doing here because yeah it's it's going to be fairly obvious when you start looking at if what they're doing and if they're paying that much a month what are they actually doing to the site and if it's just ticky tacky stuff just changing headlines and stuff every now and again you say well you're not really getting your money's worth from that and the, the the business will know either they're just wasting money in which case i might come up with some schemes of my own and tap in there myself um or uh it's really a case of if you're just changing headlines what's the bottom line on that let's have a look at your analytics right. uh, and see if your traffic's gone up because of that now, but that's the problem i think they don't know right the businesses don't know so they're just relying on the seo people and they think well if i don't do this my SEO will be worse and no one's going to visit my site. Uh, and the other problem as well is that SEO does take a long time. You're not going to see immediate gains. Uh, it, it's a bit by bit process where you do have True. to do these little things. So, you, But you can stand back and say, okay, what is this compared with, what are these stats like compared with last year? Right. Um, you know, are, are we doing better? And, and can you attribute that to the work the SEO company has done? But if it's, again, if it's just changing headlines and stuff, then... Uh, well, let, let's. I'm going to exaggerate it and say it's something completely obvious. So let's say, Simon, one of the things that they ask you to do is to go in and to change the SEO keywords on every page, right? So the, the actual meta uh, name equals uh, keywords tag, which you know is ignored <laughs> and can even be detrimental. Well, and they're they're asking you to do that, and you know that they're they're billing the company a bunch of money where they run tools to analyze each page and they look at the searches and they are, are coming up with this optimized set of keywords that they want you to put in there. So it's something that you know okay. is just wasting money. The first thing I'd be going to the business is, is your target market, uh, are they all searching through Bing? Because Bing still does use keywords. True. And one or two yeah. other search engines does. But very likely, uh, we look at their stats and look at their analytics and you're going to see probably less than 5% from Bing. And you can go, well, that's not your market. And all they're doing is addressing 5% of your potential market. Mm -hmm. well, there's your stats. As soon as, as an SEO, two things I want immediately are access to Google Analytics and Google Search Console. And that gives you a really good in insight into what's going on. Um, and Dev should have that as well. They need to know what's going on as well. So uh, with that sure. lot, uh, you can have a, a really good overview of, of what's going on and, and see what's what an agency's been doing, if it's improved. But then how do you have that conversation where in the pyramid, you know, you're kind of at the bottom or you somehow ended up there where you're getting instructions from the SEO company to then do this stuff? How do you then broach that conversation with a client and be like, look, these guys, like, I don't, I think they're wasting your money. Well, I'll shift that slightly and say, you know, for, for many years, I, I worked in a, um, in-house in a, a large financial global corporation and mm -hmm. the business would trust external agencies who would come in and say the, exactly this sort of stuff. And I'd be sitting there going, but that doesn't make sense. That's a waste of money. You just spent 180 grand right. on an audit. We could have done that for 500 quid. Oh my God. I see that so often. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and the problem is you've got middle management there who don't want to admit they've made a mistake. Perhaps uh, their boss has said, use this company for whatever reasons. And well, it's a difficult conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But you're going to talk about budget and say, well, do you want to spend this again next year? Or do you like to have better performance site for less money? Yeah. And my, my preference would be just to be brutally honest with the, the client and be like, look, you can you can do whatever you want. This is your site, but I think you're wasting your money. And then here is why. And then just let it go from there. Yeah. Whereas I, I think some other people might be less inclined to rock the boat, shall we say? You know, absolutely. I think but, I'm with I think I'm with Matt that the important thing is not so much to get people to agree with you, but to get people to listen to you. Agreed. 
Yeah. And then you, you know you have to turn around and listen to them too because I can imagine that you might you know those people might feel like well if I do this inexpensive thing and it doesn't you know the SEO is not improved fantastically then well on the one hand I haven't spent a lot of money but on the other hand you know it hasn't improved fantastically but if I spend a lot of money then at least my ass is covered that I have done the thing <laughs> and that may be the rational thing for them to do and and if you have their trust and 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 both of you have the the good of the company in mind or whatever the the pursuit is then if it comes down to politics and they're willing to share that then you can work together to figure out how to make it the key person's idea to do better you know organic seo instead of wasting loads of money on adwords or whatever the thing might be and and you know just just sell it politically or you can still help them with that but i think if you don't have trust then there's no way you're going to have that conversation well let me let me give you a concrete example and i would love to have simon or or anyone else chime in on this so i was working on a long-term contract with a client and one of the things that i had done for them was created some fantastic json ld for them I mean, it was it was very nicely done. Okay, you're just gonna have to take my word for that. Mm-hmm. Um, then they hired a agent, an SEO agency, to come in, and they were trying to you know tweak this, improve that, improve the other thing. And one of the things that they wanted to do, Simon, was they wanted to change some of the things that were JSON LD. They wanted to change it to be microdata. So basically, the same thing. You know, it, it's conveying the same structured data information, but they wanted to change the schema that was used from JSON-LD, which is more modern, which is something that Google has said that they're using going forward to something that was very dated in terms of, yes, it still is consumable, but what's the point, right? So why am I doing this? So, you know, one of the things I said to the client was, can I, well, can I, you know, interject? go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Why did they want to do this? I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to get there because okay. I asked that question. Okay. All right. So of course I asked that question, Matt. You know me. Sure. Of course I asked that. All right. So uh, first of all, Simon, what do you think of this situation? And I'm going to continue to elaborate on it. Uh, well, um, it's a little bit surprising, but there may obviously there may be reason behind it. The way okay. I would approach it, uh, I'd have gone, okay, this is interesting. We're going away from microdata because it's hard to maintain, etc. And yep. JSOND. But let's have an experiment. Let's change one page and have another page which is very similar to similar sort of traffic on it, etc. Uh, similar sort of organic reach. So you pick a couple of pages and just monitor them for several months and see what happens. Right. And if that microdata does improve it, you've got the data there and say, okay, yeah, let's roll it around the rest of the site. If it drops dramatically, like, um, well, it probably wouldn't. Right. Um, it'll probably stay the same because exactly. still <laughs> okay. It's just like if it stays the same, then you go back to the uh, business person and you say, well, we've spent this amount of resource doing this, and to do it across the rest of the site, it's going to cost X amount, and it doesn't actually bring you any benefits at all. Right. Yeah. So – I did very similar things to uh, what you and Matt said uh, initially, which is I said, well, you know, JSON-LD is the uh, preferred modern format that Google is recommending that everybody use. Microdata is this old format. I mean, yes, it will it will work, but why are we doing this? Like, what's the what's the gain in going in and changing this, right? And it ends up being that the the gain is that this SEO company didn't know anything about 
JSON LD, right? Whatever tool they were using to run the tests on the site. And I don't know if it was a custom internal tool or if it was a tool provided by somebody else. That tool did not understand JSON LD, right? So when they ran that tool on their site, it came up that they didn't have the, you know, this certain JSON LD there, right? And I'm just, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Like these guys have no idea what they're talking about. They're being paid tons of money to make this recommendation. And in the end, their answer they came back was, well, the times that we'd used it before this microdata worked. So why don't you go do it? Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, are you kidding me? So the reason why you're recommending this is the automated tool that you're running on the site is so outdated that it doesn't even consume JSON-LD. And the justification you're going to give me is that it's worked for you in the past. And this is the kind of thing that just drives me crazy because it takes me from the, you know, SEO is a science, is measurable into the sacrificing chickens and drawing pentagrams. You know what I mean? Like, why are we, why are we using this? Oh, because it's worked before. Oh, okay. The further back <laughs> into the past you go, the better it'll work. <laughs> Get far enough back, and they're right. The Jason LD will be completely meaningless. But this was at a Simon. This was at a big company, right? That well, was that being charged. <laughs> that was being yeah. charged lots of money by these yeah. people that were doing consulting. And I'm over here going, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. did they listen to you? Of course not. No, and so in the end, what what ended up happening was, and 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 Simon, you're right. Like an experiment would have been interesting. But it ended up just being one page that this was going to be changed on anyway for this one particular thing. And so, you know, under <laughs> numerous, very polite protests, I ended, I said, fine, you know, okay, I'll do what they want us to do. So we did it and absolutely nothing changed. And we wasted a bunch of time and money. And that's all, you know. Gross. But their tool could then read it. Oh, well, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what else was going on behind that. Um, I can think of a similar situation where we spent, back in the big finance company, we spent a year talking to an advertising agency, trying to get them to build some system so that we could get the data from the adverts they were putting out on the on the web back into our own analytics but in the end they refuse every step of the way they refuse to do it and it's simply because uh, oh, two things it would have cost them a lot of money and it would have given them no benefit although it would have given us a huge amount of benefit and the biggest part of that benefit was that we could actually see what uh, was going on with the adverts as opposed to reading their report and them telling us what had gone on with the adverts and i think they were bleeding the company dry and they were just making the figures up um, yeah and that happens a lot i know and i think that's what was happening here and that's what was driving me crazy and this is one of like you know i this is one of many many situations that i've been into and i'm just like i i can't i can't even deal with it <laughs> you know what i mean like it drives me nuts like, what are you doing? You're just, you're leeching money off of this company and you're asking them to do, I mean, the real problem is they didn't have anyone at the company that understood this stuff and could then call BS on it, right? So the only one who was kind of calling BS on it was me and I'm just the contractor. You know what I mean? So I think really it's kind of a failing of that company that they don't have anyone in that position, but that's why you hire contractors a lot is when you don't have a skill set in your company. And you need some outside expertise to help you out. And it just drives me crazy that so many SEO companies are, they're kind of preying on that, you know? But you've also got this 
with any agency, you've got layers of management in them and you've got Mm. your studio floor with your creatives and your developers and the people really know what's going on. Then you've got an account team and the account Mm. team know how to sell stuff to the business and keep the business happy, but they don't know what the uh, creative and the the development teams know. So you're going to get that dispass between the two. You really, in those situations, the agency does need to bring a team together with with the right people in it, even if the uh, developers and creatives aren't particularly good with the clients. They they need to be there for situations like this. But, you know, and I've got tons of war stories like this, but, and this is where, you know, when I express some of these opinions about SEO and SEO companies, like this, this is the kind of thing, like this is where it's coming from. You know what I mean? But on the other hand, um, there are, uh, there's a lot of business out there still yeah. till the next recession. So yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's not your family, it's just business. Right. And at the end of the day, if they're, they're it's a go and find another client. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and- but it just, it, it makes me sad. It's frustrating, yeah, yeah. They are creating an opportunity for you to be honest and establish a different kind of rapport, though. One of the things I like is I work with a lot of clients that I'm often like not the first person they've hired mm. and just saying, you know, don't take my word for anything. Right. Like if something doesn't make sense, don't just nod because I say this is a good idea. Like question it. And if it doesn't stand up to scrutiny, it's probably not a great idea. Yeah. And I would love but, to question Matt on why he is not using my SEOmatic plugin, but... That about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Marian Nulevant. And I'm Matt Stein. And thank you very much for coming on, Simon. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. You got All right. Hear me stapling paper in the background, could you? I got to admit it, this podcast was all just an excuse for me to have a cathartic release. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should find...